Hey everybody, welcome to Cantori and you, you, how's everybody doing? Hope you're enjoying this beautiful day. I had the great pleasure of uh, spending time with uh, Scott Russo of Unwritten Law yesterday. We're going to share the interview here. First, I want to thank our sponsors. We've got Tory Holistics, which is a legal licensed uh, marijuana, medical marijuana collective, cannabis joint, <laughs> if you will. In Sorrento Valley, right off the 5 Freeway, Sorrento Valley Road, you make a ride on Roselle, and they're part of the program, as you've heard us say before. Uh, they pay their taxes, and they're in it for the right reasons. They, they are there to help people with their medical needs. For people who don't want to use pills or want to try alternative medicine, if you will, you know, it's not just about the recreational side. You know, it's not about going in there and getting baked. It really is about you know, from their vantage, helping people with anxiety issues, depression issues, PTSD, uh, inflammation, helps with, you know, CBDs, said to help with um, arthritis, migraines, trying to think what else, PMS, because I do menstruate from time to time, (laughs) which is true. Uh, But uh, yeah, Tory Holistics, they're the real deal. If you're uh, getting into the cannabis industry and that culture, uh, certainly seek them out at toryholistics.com. Again, a legal, legal, licensed medical cannabis collective marijuana facility. I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll see uh, city council members in there buying weed. I don't know. Other than that, what else we got? South Coast Surf Shops. Love my crew down at South Coast. Talk about uh, an amazing group of people. They've been running the shop South Coast since 1974. One-stop shop. You can get everything down there from soft goods to boards, oh, wetsuits. I get all my wetsuits at South Coast straight up. Also, uh, they have their own line of surfboards, too, which are handcrafted here in San Diego. And, uh, yeah, South Coast is the real deal, man. They've been around forever for a reason, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you're buying clothes, if you're out there looking for some shorts, for shoes, uh, shirts, whatever, before you go to Amazon.com, go to SouthCoast.com and support your local surf shop, okay? And uh, that extends to all local surf shops. So many surf shops here in the community, we got to support these operations, and the best way to do so is by not spending your money on Amazon and heading into these brick and mortars or visiting these sites, you know, again, southcoast.com. So uh, no stranger to surfing, skating, snowboarding, Scott Russo of Unwritten Law. I actually met up with Scott at Danny Way's house. Someone's texting me. Hold on. Do you guys know Danny Way, professional skateboarder? He's ridiculous. Oh, Chris Cote's texting me right now. (laughs) He says, I'm back in the USA, Ubering home from the airport. So I'm going to write him back. You! I would have picked you up. I'm lying. I would have picked you up. You up. In the Uber, not the Uber, the Uber. You, I would have picked you up in the Uber. That's what I'm sending him. All right, I'll have to hit up uh, Cote in a bit. Let's get into uh, Scott Russo on written law. And uh, all I have to say, I knew I was going to get deep with Scott, given our history. 
I didn't expect it to go where it went, okay? We were at Danny Way's house, Encinitas, professional skateboarder, Danny Way, best known for his big air. And, uh, I mean, come on, the guy jumped the Great Wall of China. Holy shit. But, uh, yeah, we're up there at Danny Way's house, Encinitas, and uh, on his property, Danny has a studio where UL, Unwritten Laws, and pre-production working on a new record. Saw Wade up there, their drummer, Wade Rules. And uh, so we're up there, and uh, this episode was recorded outside of the studio, okay? And we just had kind of a recorder on a table, and we were going back and forth. So you're going to hear wind blowing, birds chirping, a lot of elements here. Hopefully you can uh, sift through them and hear the magic, which is Scott putting his soul out there. I mean, I was there were moments where, honestly, and you'll hear it, I was ready to stop down. I'm like, dude, are we cool talking about this? There's, there's heavy shit here that uh, I'll tell you the truth. Since sitting down with him yesterday, I haven't been able to get him out of my mind since based on the following interview. So uh, here we go. This is uh, Cantori and You with Scott Russo of Unwritten Law. So what's up, Scott? This is, uh, this is different. You're recording a uh, new Unwritten Law record at Danny Way's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually this is pre-production, but yeah, we're doing it here at Danny's house. It's a good crib to do it at. It's like it's, it's a it's a six island. It's a six island. Yeah. Which which means isn't there, isn't there five Hawaiian islands? I think so. Yeah. Okay, so this is the sixth Hawaiian island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see why this is full of Mr. Miyagi meets uh, meets Kauai. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. So I would imagine it's the perfect uh, vibe when it comes to recording and doing pre-production. Yeah. Yeah, it's extra free, so we'd like that. <laughs> so um, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. And I was actually driving up here to Danny's place and thinking of Danny obviously being a pro skater. And this whole thing, as far as you're concerned, all started with uh, you skating, right? Initially, that was kind of your main interest, and you kind of fell into the band back when you were a teenager, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to skate for... Danny and I used to... That's how I met Danny, actually, is I used to, I used to be on the flow team for H Street and Go Wing and Airwalk. And Tim and I became friends. I was, I, I was on my own when I was, like, about 15. And I had moved, uh, my parents had kicked me out because I was such a good kid. And I had uh, moved to Vista and lived with this guy, Matt Hensley, who's now the keyboard player in Flogging Molly, but at that time he was the best street skater on the planet. And uh, we were living in a place, that's where I met Danny. And then I, uh, from 8th Street, uh, it's kind of progressed. I went to Zorlac, and they turned me pro. And then uh, when that started, when the skateboarding started getting really just out of control, I'm like, oh my God, I. I don't have a career in this. I need to start doing something. So I started, I went to school to become a, uh, a, t a teacher. I want to be a teacher. So I took child development and child psychology and I was a TA for a second into preschool. And then I joined Unwritten Law. I was living in this squatter pad in Poway and Unwritten Law came and played one of these parties at my house. And yeah, I joined the band, but we didn't think it was going to be like a career move or anything like that. But yeah. Skateboarding has been my first love. and. Why didn't you go? Did you re you didn't think you had the skills to go pro? Or oh, I mean, because I, I wouldn't know. Sort of like I could turn me pro. Then why why didn't you continue down because that? Because it was just, skateboarding was just ex ex excelling so fast. Right. And I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't that good. I was okay, good. that was my question. I was, I, was, I, I was good, but I wasn't that good. It had a level. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you know, I can still. I mean, I still love skateboarding. Again, it's my first love. Oh, I know you're. That's why I was wondering. Could you have gone on and actually flourished? 
as a professional skater. Absolutely you know? not. No. Okay. That <laughs> was my question. That was my question. Yeah, I, I still would have been able to get free skateboards, but that doesn't pay the bills. So, <laughs> and neither does music. So here I am. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no no. So that was it, and I was going to become a teacher. And I never knew that. That's a trip. Yeah yeah. Love kids. I'm a child whisperer and a dog whisperer and a cat whisperer. But um, I wanted to do that, and so I started doing that. And at that time, I joined Unwritten Law, like I said, and the band just kind of blew up really quickly. And then we started had to start touring, and so then I couldn't, I had to stop going to work. Sure. Really. And that was it. And then uh, punk rock happened, we happened to be in the right place, and then the rest is kind of history from there. Now, were you, were you living, you were living in Poway at the time when Unwritten Law was born, but before that, you weren't in Poway, or had you been there and moved to Vista and came back? No, no, I had, uh, I had actually, Let's start at the beginning. I, I, I'm from Rancho Penasquitos, which is Poway's neighboring sure. town. And I, um, uh, I had moved from there when I was like 15. I got kicked out of school and moved to uh, Vista. And then I went back to school when I was like 15 or somewhere between 15 and 16. Went to Abraxas in Poway. Okay. And that's where I met all the boys. Got it. And Unwritten Law. Um, and then I'd, I was squatting in a pad right across the street actually from Abraxas. And we'd have all these parties, and there was a. So we got our, the, the name of the first record, Blue Room, because it was a squatter pad. It had all this, all the spray painting in the walls. When we found it, we just partied in there. And we figured out it had electricity and water. We're like fuck, let's move in. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did, and, and in these, in, inside there, they had these huge cans of blue paint, and so we just painted all over all the, the graffiti. And it was just solid blue, blue room, and that's where we came up with the blue room because that was the name of the, of the party sure. for pad, the blue room. Trip out, man. Yeah, yeah. So. They had they had they had started on written law, and when you uh, say they, uh, it was like Rob Brewer, Jeff Brim, the original bass player, and Wade. Right. They didn't have a singer, and so they came over and did like punk rock karaoke at my, one of my parties. And I had sang Fugazi's Waiting Room. And after I was done with that, they're like, "Hey man, we need a singer for a band. You want to join?" <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, I didn't think anything of a career or music or anything like that. I just thought, you know, meeting girls and doing drugs and whatever. Of course. So that was it, but I had had my, I got my chops early on because I was in a ska band with Matt Hensley, the same guy uh, called the Spy Kids. And actually this band had started, it had me from Unwritten Law, had Matt from Foggy Molly, had Craig from Buck 09, had Mark from Pivot. Oh yeah. This little baby ska band started like, actually gave us all kind of our chops for pretty big San Diego bands. So that was a, it was a cool thing. I did that from like 14 to 15, 16. The band broke up. Um, and that was kind of like my musical, that's where I started music, whatever. I played keyboards in that band. Okay. And however, we had a female singer, and the reason I, I, I was singing is because they, we did two covers. One of them was like Monkey Man by the Specials, and I forget what the other one was. But I'd step up behind the keyboard and sing. And it's funny because Matt was like the best skater in the world at the time. Uh, we got all these massive shows because we had lots of press through Thrasher and Transworld and all this Sure. And so we were opening up for like the selector at the Santa Monica Civic Center and like big, big And you're how old at this time? You're like, what, 18? Oh, no, no, man. I'm like fucking 14. Dude! Yeah. Are you there's, kidding? No, there's some videos of me like pre-pubic hair, like fucking all skinned head out. Like, oh, my god. Doc Martens, no pubic hair, like braces, the whole thing, playing keyboards and playing in front of like, you know. With a skinny tie? Oh, no, no, no. I was like more. <laughs> I wasn't like a rude boy. I was more of a traditional skin. Yeah, yeah. Two-tone skin. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so that was it, and that's kind of where I got my musical chops from. And then when, like I said, they were just passing through a party, I sang a song I could actually hold tune and the whole thing. 
And so they asked me to be in the band, and that's where it all started. That's a trip, man. Now, because yeah. I got, I was familiar, or got familiar with you guys right after Blue Room, the second release, which was... Oz Factor. Correct, Oz Factor, which had Superman on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Super Duper Man. Yeah. So that was my first experience with you guys. And I remember, you know, obviously around the time you were you were getting traction was also around the same time Blink was getting traction, right? Yeah, yeah. We came, it was kind of Sprung Monkey, then us, then Blink. Okay. Yeah. And for a while, in those early days, who were you being managed by in those early, early days? It was Rick DeVoe. Oh, so you were you shared management with Blink? Yeah, so we were we were. I didn't realize that we were managed by Rick DeVoe, and then Bill Silva came in and stepped in and picked up Big Dummy Productions, and Rick DeVoe, and in in doing so acquired us, and Blink. Got it. And then at some point, Rick was going to leave the music scene. Right. But Blink was catching on fire at that point. So I don't want to manage bands anymore. I just want to do shows and do whatever it is. And so he left. But kind of knowing that he was going to take Blink with him, left with Blink, and then we were with Bill Silva, and then we just stayed with Bill. They went on, and they became the Beatles, really. Right. Were you so? Were you with Bill then when you guys had your your commercial success in the? Yeah. Okay, so you were under Bill's management at that time. Yeah, yeah. So Blink was with DeVoe. You guys were with Bill. Yeah. Were you guys always all the camps were always friendly, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think some shit happened between obviously between Bill and Rick DeVoe when, you know, in some way he took, sure. he took you know, one of the bands and went, went platinum. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know. But you guys had a great run, obviously, yeah, yeah. and still have incredible things going on. I'll, we'll eventually get there. But during that time, what were those, when Unwritten Law was really getting traction, was also the, around the same time you were also a dad, right? Isn't that when you first had a kid? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. All of a sudden, I had... Kaylin, I got, we got pregnant when I was 19 with Kaylin. And then, uh, so, I mean, I started an unwritten law when I was 18 and we got pregnant at 19. So this is before I, I was becoming a dad before it started happening. Dang. Yeah. That's a lot of shit, man. Yeah. How did you manage all that? Honestly, cause uh, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. Okay. I've got little kids. They're the world to me. If I had them, even in my thirties, I, I wouldn't have been equipped. 20s, hell no. Teenager, fuck no. Yeah, right. Plus, you're managing this incredible career. Well, again, at that time, we didn't, we, we weren't thinking career. Yeah. We were thinking, like, it was just, it was really cool because at the time, it was just kind of, I was kind of letting the, the universe take care of itself. Like, I'm not, like, pro-life or anything like that. That's not what we decided, the baby. I When I had met Jody, we, we got pregnant three months after I'd met her. And I think that like we had people knocking on our door about record deals or something like that. And I remember at the time going, you know what, fuck it, let's let's just, you know, we're not going to get married, just have a baby, not for any religious reason or anything like that. Yeah, let's, yeah. Just, let's just do it, and just see what where what happens, you know. Uh, and we did. Thank God, it's like the three best decisions I have are my three kids. And uh, and, and a real long story. If it wasn't for making that decision, you know, we had been picked up by I believe. Epic Records first, and I'd written the song Kalen. Yeah. And at that time, like our first single didn't go. It was California Sky, I believe. 
and I had written the song Kalen, and my A and R heard it. But at this time we were we were a punk band, and I had yeah. written a real pop love song. And this was the transition for you guys. It was a transition. And this is when I was on the radio. I remember when that yeah, song yeah. hit. I was playing it three times a day. Right. Case in point is, if I wouldn't have made that decision at 19 to have that baby, I wouldn't have written that song, and my career would have stopped then. Good point. And well, this is these are facts. Yeah. So it's like if I wouldn't have had the baby, I wouldn't have written, had you know written that song. The, the record label had gotten rid of us because I had the baby and because I wrote that song about her. Uh, the song became our first top twenty single. Yeah. And gave us longevity, but breathed life back into the epic thing. And they put out a second record with us. And then uh, I'm not sure how well that did, but we ended up going from there. That was Elva, right? Uh, I think Elva was the next one, which was the big <laughs> one. To be honest, yeah, that's kind of. It's been a long ride for all of us, <laughs> yeah. man. I, I'm having a hard time putting it all together. Right? So yeah, so that was the first single, but uh, yeah, thank God to her for her because I mean, A, I would have probably killed myself. B, I would have never written that song. My career would have been over, and uh, yeah, see the rest is history. Really. Yeah, man, it's a trip because I remember when that song popped, and you were playing all the '91 X shows and all the festivals and bringing her out on stage yeah. with you, and she was like four or five at the time. Yeah. And I just remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever because, again, I was in my late 20s at that point. You were probably in your early 20s. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's like headlining shows and he's got his girl up there with him. You know, that's there's a lot to be said for that, man. And there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that, you know, being that provider. I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, I guess you I don't. Like, yeah. You know, because that's the shit I trip on now. Yeah, yeah, know? for sure. And I definitely would have, like, you know, thinking back, I'm like, whoa, that was heavy. And I see photos of me. I'm a baby with a baby. I'm like, oh, my God. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I, you know, I didn't know. I remember, like, a lot of my friends, a couple of band members going, like, dude, Warp Mission. Like, don't do this. And I'm like, you know, like, no, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, whatever. I want to be. I, I, oh, again, getting back to the teacher thing, I've always loved children. Like, you know, I have a, this thing with them. And thank God, except three beautiful children. All of them are diamonds, too. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so I look at you, so you love kids, you're a rad dad, you can manage your family well, yeah. I would imagine. To a certain extent, yeah. Yeah, all of us. I was a bit crazy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all are. But it seems like managing the band and keeping relations in the band, when you look at the trajectory, I mean, you guys have been together for over 25 years, but when you also look at all the the lineup changes you guys in the early days renowned for you know scrapping fights on stage yeah. all that sort of stuff and where did that come from i guess is my my question when you, you have this love for your kids you're plugged in you're dialed in things are moving but where was the disconnect within the infrastructure it was for i mean for with me in particular it was a, a definitely a case of jekyll and hyde like at home i'm the best dad and like you know a great you know you know, father, husband, all that stuff. But as soon as I go on the road, I'm a monster. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I will, I did all of your drugs. I drank all the booze, the last of all of it. I fought everything. I fucked everything. I was a horrible husband. You know, I was just, a, or was in general, a horrible human being, which in hindsight, I wish I could do it all over again. Do you, do you, do you have regrets when you look back? Oh yeah, I have regrets, but also I enter, I'm, I go gentle on myself. Like I understand. You have to, man. Well, no, no, I, I understand <laughs> how I was. Like I was a baby having a baby. Exactly. And then getting tossed you know, millions of dollars at me. And then I wouldn't on, have been able to handle Going that. on the road and being the bell of the ball every night. So it's like all these things combined, there was no other real 
option for me than to turn into exactly what I was, yeah. quite honestly. No, I look back at my trajectory, at, even at 91X, which is a fraction, I mean, a friggin' toenail of the success that you had, but nonetheless, 20s, everything getting thrown at yeah. me, you know, for me, making six figures, never thought I'd make more than $5 an hour, doing what I love, and yeah, there were times within, I mean, I look back, I'm like, God dang, I was such a fucking idiot at times, yeah. and why didn't I take the time to just look around and breathe it in a little bit? because you were young, and that's the way well, I exactly. I didn't. I just didn't have the knowledge to go along with that kind of power or yeah. success, and I didn't have the, the, the years of being a, a, a good human behind me. Did you... Were you Very did, selfish. Did you have people trying to cut through and work with you, like management, like someone like Bill Silva or um, anything like that? You to know? be honest, it was a bit like Oasis, so it's like they love that about us. Like they... Yeah. That's the reason why a lot of people got into us, because when you hired us... You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know what was going to happen, and that's kind of an amazing thing. That's punk rock. It's punk rock. It's rock and roll, really, when it boils down to it. You just don't know what's going to happen. I think that was kind of the allure of Unwritten Law. It's like you had a couple of hot kids from Poway, the beginning of the, of the you know, Southern California punk movement. You know, they fucking do-do drugs. They fist fight. It was like, you know, Sublime was the same way. It's like you just didn't know if they are going to have an amazing show because their live shows are the greatest or it's a fuck show and it'd be too wasted and they might kill each other on stage. Yeah. That was kind of the allure of Unwritten Law, I think, for a lot of people, fans included. And I'm not comparing it, but I am. But that's why I used to love, when I was a kid, Guns N' Roses back in the day. Sure, spot on. You didn't know what was going to happen. Or Motley Crue. Or Motley Crue. broke Motley Crue. You didn't know what the <laughs> fuck was going to... You would go see yeah. these guys and you were like, "Are they? is someone going to melt down on stage? Yeah. And... But what fuel was it ever a point where it became theatrics for you? Kind of like a hockey game? Never. It was never, <laughs> no, nothing was ever premeditated in this band ever. Yeah. Everything that happened was, was, was fucking real, man. For real. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll be, I've, I've, I mean, I have a broken rib that sticks out from Wade. He has slices <laughs> over his face when he's smashing ashtrays on him. Uh, fucking, I broke out my bra punch on my tooth once, then I'm House of Blues. Like, I mean, shit has just gone crazy. We've, we've stomped security guard in front of us. I've been arrested for inciting a riot. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, I've gone to jail for in Florida for inciting a riot. Like, you know, shit was all real. We were just crazy. But the kids, once you got home, whole yeah, different trip? Absolutely. Whole and, different trip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was, and again, Jody, the, the, the baby's mom, was just an amazing mother, too. Is so, such an amazing woman to me. Like, let me go be, because yeah. she knew. She's not, you know, retarded. She like she knew what she knew what she signed up for. Yeah, she knew what she signed up for. And so, like, when I'd come home, I might even come home and then disappear for like three days, then come back and sleep for like two days, and then be there for a week, you know, whatever. And she was just, a, you know, it was. Now, were you guys married <laughs> at this time? <clears throat> we we met somewhere when I was 19 July. Uh, she was on Fourth of July, and um, we ended up hooking up. Like, I, then I met her that day. Ended up refining her like six months later taking on a couple dates and like three months later uh, we got pregnant where it's like oh this is dope let's just do it whatever and then we didn't get married till Kaylin was about two okay yeah yeah and so and that then was that. and then obviously as you as you've noted that you know I assume when you said you fucked everything, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that that there were times where maybe you weren't faithful to your or no, no, I wasn't you were <laughs> I okay. definitely wasn't 
which is terrible. Like, you know, don't get into it if you're not going to be all the way in. Did but she know it, though, I guess is my question? I think it was definitely un unspoken for yeah, sure. Yeah, an unspoken thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I'd go throw it in front of her face and not she, and she was such a, she's so cool that she right. wouldn't, like, she wouldn't even inquire, quite honestly. Yeah. And then how long were you guys together? We were together for about seven years. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, not awesome that obviously you didn't yeah, yeah. last, but longer than I thought, to yeah, be yeah. honest well, with you. Well, she's still one of my best friends. And again, we started when we were kids and all the combining factors involved, it just, I mean. Oh, there's no way. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I, again, I wouldn't have been able, I don't think I would have survived. I don't think I personally would have lived through it. Yeah, I mean, there's. I had to go to the hospital a couple times, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I had to be revived once. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Early in your career, or was that, because uh, I know you dealt with some health things recently, but you had to be revived early in your career? I had, I had a mild heart attack on the East Coast once. I'd been up for way too long. Oh, uh, okay. Left side of my body went numb, and that was like three days from the end of tour, I remember. And I remember calling my tour manager like seven in the morning. I think this is right when MySpace came out. I remember being in my hotel room, and it's like seven in the morning, I'm surfing the net. And my body goes numb, vibrating. I was like, oh shit, I think it's a heart attack. Called my tour manager, he comes down, he's like, fuck, you having a heart attack. Brought me to the emergency room, they put me under, rehydrated me. Woke up with my, like eight hours later, my band was around me, they're like, dude, you gotta go home, you have three kids. Fuck, I almost died. So I went home and went to rehab for the first time that time. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a shit show. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, we've all, trust me, man, we've all, I, I get the struggles, dude. I've uh, I've never been to rehab, but uh, I certainly know how that that situation works. How many times have you been in and out? Or two. Two. And uh, obviously the first time wasn't successful. <laughs> that, was, that was the second go around. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the second time was amazing. I met my... Yeah, my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. Yeah, right? No, um, the first time, th this is the thing, is the first time I went in, I didn't really believe that I needed to because, again, I don't, I'm, a, I'm addicted to cigarettes, but I'm not addicted to too many other things. I, I can't. Like, I can go days or weeks, whatever. Or I'm a binge partier, so I want to, I'll, like I said, if I go out, I just go big and I don't stop and I will do everything. Inevitably, that would kill me. Um, and, but the thing about that is it was about 10 years ago and it was all Alcoholics Anonymous based and they're really, you know, their belief is on Christianity and you don't have any power. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it really made my dick soft. <laughs> and then this, the, the next time I went in, it was just, and this time it, it was called for like, I had, I met a doctor who had hooked me up with, with, with Xanax and, and I would usually just take him to come off, you know, some drugs, whatever. And have a good sleep, or if I'm hungover, and then and you get hooked on that shit. You get hooked on it pretty quickly, and so this doctor would put it on, you know, put it on his tab, and I just every two weeks I'd be picking up 90 bars. Ugh. So I'm just like chewing them for like candy, and so at this time, I remember my kids were like, "Dad, like, you suck, like you can't speak English anymore, just like, numbed get, out, get help." And so, shit, we're gonna do that. That's all right, man. Or we um, can move somewhere else. Um. Okay. Yeah. Do um, you want to move to the ramp? Yeah, we could do that. The babe. There's a van around here? No, the ramp. Oh, oh, the ramp. I thought you said the van. I'm like, dope. All right, so sounds like uh, sound like Wade's laying something down, so we'll move over to, uh, to Danny Way's ramp here in the beautiful <laughs> Encinitas area. How crazy is that? Danny Way's ramp. You don't get to say that too much. <laughs> right. Let's see. Yeah, we can do this. That's cool. There's pig shit. 
yeah, I don't know. care. So the second time. Oh, the second time of uh, in rehab, it was uh, through the No Effects camp. Like I saw Fat Mike had gone in. It was a Buddhist retreat, which is which said, I'm like, well, what's that all about? That's a lot more of my vibe. And I went and met with the people at the rehab. I had this this window, had all these visions and shit. And it was like, and I had the Pennywise tour that just happened uh, September last year, and it was a three month tour into Australia. <coughs> the whole thing was three and a half months. And I had three weeks before that with nothing to do. And I kept on having these signs going, if you do this tour, you're gonna fucking die. And it was just, it was like, whether it be phone calls, I'd think of something that had happened on the radio or the TV, I'm like, oh my God, it's in the sign. Crazy. Yeah, it was weird I get shit. it. I get it. And, uh, and I ended up giving these people my phone number. They, they had not called me in two weeks, and then all of a sudden, like, I was smoking a cigarette, and then I get a phone call from an L.A. number. I'm like, you know, this is these people I need to go in. Picked it up, it was them. And I'm going to meet them, and they told me the whole story, and I told them my whole why I didn't like AA and why it didn't work for me. And like, well, this is this is a Buddhist. It's called uh, refuge, reco- uh, refuge Recovery. And I remember when Mike, he was documenting his... Pro- when he was in there, yeah, wasn't, yeah, he, yeah. wasn't he Instagramming the yeah. whole thing? That was nuts, man. Yeah. Considering he was getting fucked up still, whatever. That's <laughs> yeah. a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but anyways, but fucking uh. But anyway, so like I went and met the people. They were they spoke my language and it spoke to me. Instead of like you know AA, where it's like you know render, render yourself powerless and get on your knees and render yourself powerless and give your, give your power to God and all this kind of shit. It's like no, and and this it's like you have the power and they give you the tools to deal with that. Whether it's meditation and all this kind of stuff. And ironically, every guided meditation, I'd be troubled, you know, dealing with something mentally. Like in the morning, I'd go to this meditation. They'd be speaking about it that day. I was like, "Whoa, this is too bizarre." Yeah, it just spoke to me, and it was. Have you just, learned how to meditate? Yeah, I haven't figured it out yet. So you start with guided meditation, my man. Look really? at Google Magic Online. This guy Dave Smith is the guy you want to listen to, and he'll just talk you through. You which, do it every day. I try to. Yeah, and it's it's not you have to do it for fucking an hour, not thirty minutes. Like do it for twenty minutes, and remember when your mind starts wandering. I'm just so OCD, man. Nice. Same, same. But and that's what I've been treating, and that's what I've been self-medicating. Yeah. I found out for years is my OCD. Right? Meditation would be a great thing for you, man. I just haven't learned how to do it. Yeah, the meditation, <laughs> dude. There's, there's some. I'll, I'll, hook you, I'll get you some information when we're done here. Uh, they have some things. And the refuge is now worldwide, but it's the new. It's like it's the refuge is the name of it. Yeah, refuge recovery. Okay. But it's the, uh, it's the it's the opposition of of you know AA right and NA. It's like it's not religious. It's like you have the power and it's quite honestly just the way it's going to work i can only imagine yeah, hey. for most people and yeah if aa works for you yeah, and if na works for you good on you man yeah. I, my father-in-law is in aa my best friend runs na meetings i mean if that's your bit that's your bit yeah. that's rad you found something that worked for you yeah so so i've done it for about eight months now and it's worked out really well i i went on tour and didn't have a drink didn't have a, anything out of wow. anything since and so it's been really magical congratulations like I, I did australia man. i got on planes without fucking drinking or taking xanax so it's been good i don't think i could do that yeah right. i really don't i really don't you know, think what's funny is like, i wasn't missing the party so much because i had done quite it's not about the party but like going uh, when i was freaking out I'm like i'm gonna get on a plane and not right. drink red wine that's the shit that's the <laughs> shit that scares me same to me dude that was my shit and so i'm like oh, this is gonna be awkward and so you know you know, I forgot what I did or how I got through the first couple ones, but 
just do it. Yeah, it's hard at first, man. And I've gone through similar things where once you get into that rhythm, it's kind of like, I don't know, for me too, when I'm trying to diet and stuff, once you yeah. get into the zone, it all kind of yeah. happens yeah, yeah. fluidly. Yeah, but until that point, it's a fucking struggle, man. And yeah, that yeah. initial leap is the thing that's always most daunting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when you were, and that's before we even sat down, I said, do you mind if I just ask you stuff that, you know, I'm rat stoked that nothing's out of your comfort zone and you're being so honest and forthright man that's really that's really cool you scott that being said when you were in the hospital i remember messaging you on facebook and i was like dude what's going on was this related to did you have within the last couple of years some type of near-death experience of some sort or yeah yeah so what happened was is uh i was partying in la i was living in la for for like the last two years or so and I guess, like, coincidentally, uh, we had been partying for, like, two days. And I remember, like, we were all sitting on the pool. It was, like, the next day. And I remember going to the bathroom, and I'd, uh, I got sick. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like, that's weird. I haven't eaten in two days. Fucking, what's this? And I got sick, and stuff came out. It looked like coffee, coffee grounds. And it lasted for about a minute, and then it stopped. And I was just fine. Like, it's kind of trippy. Weird. So I put on my sunglasses, because my eyes were red, and... You know, I hung out with everybody, and like 15 minutes later, I started thinking, like, I'm get sick again. I'm like, what the fuck? Go and do that again. Well, this process happens like four times. That would freak me out. Well, yeah, but I was still was on a pretty good one. So I was like, what's <laughs> going on? So I told my best friend, Sam Black, I'm like, yo, babe, this, my shit's, I don't know what's going on. Uh, we might have to go to the hospital. She goes, what's going on? I'm like, yo, I've been throwing up like four times, and it's been like kind of 15 minute intervals, and it's really quick, and it goes away. And she goes, okay. And so I, I went uh, and I went into the, then again did it again, and on a fifth time. And this time it didn't stop. So I'm sitting there going, fuck, man. Oh, and I just keep on throwing up. There's coffee grounds. Ugh. And I'm like, what the fuck? And Sam comes in. And she goes, oh my god, we're going to the fucking hospital. So it's like dried blood or something. It was blood. I didn't yeah. know at the time, but it was blood. Old dried <clears throat> blood coming from your stomach. I yeah, bet. yeah. So what happened is we get to the hospital. I'm throwing up the whole way to the hospital in Sherman Oaks, and I get there. And it's like, we just, we just, I mean, I, you know, I had board shorts on, I think I put on sweatpants, no shirt, she, you know, bikini on, <laughs> pulled up the hospital, and like, I'm throwing it in a bag, and they're like, yo, do you, can we help you? Like, you're just freaking everyone out. I'm like, I, I need to see someone, I keep on throwing up, and they look in the bag, they're like, that's blood, you need to come in immediately, brush me in. They uh, put me under, and they went in through my throat, and they found that I'd ripped my esophagus. Oh, man. From my stomach, and that's what was causing internal bleeding. And they're like, yeah. yo, if you didn't come in like 30 minutes, you would have died. That wasn't the, I mean, I guess that was the scary part, but that wasn't the scary part. So in doing so, when they went in, they found a mass in my stomach. No! Yeah, so, I mean, thank God that kind of happened because... It signaled that you had something going on. Well, no, it didn't signal. It wasn't even... They just had to go in there to see where I was bleeding from, but when they went in, they found a mass in my stomach as well. And that's what... Okay, so the... And so now, so they say they did something to fucking seal me back up, uh, my esophagus. They go, hey, we got that taken care of, but... You have this mass in your stomach, and so you need to get it checked out. Oh, my so, God. So it wasn't related then, It wasn't obviously. related. So I go to this, this doctor in San Diego, and she's like, yeah. She, you know, they test it, and they're like, you know, you, just, you have cancer, stomach cancer. I'm just like, fuck, man. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And so, like, uh, and she, I'm like, are you sure? Like she goes, yeah. She goes, it's, it's stomach cancer. Come like, on. Fuck. And so we so we go through four months, and they take, some, they take it out, and they take me to go... What did they do? And this time, this one, it really went off the deep end. Dude, do people know? I mean, I don't, do people know this? I've never heard this before. No, I kept it really under wraps, quite honestly. Like, I didn't tell anybody because... Are you okay putting this out there? I mean, I've, I've said it a couple times. You now, have? So. Okay. 
Because so, I didn't know, yeah, and so, as I said earlier, my wife's a cancer survivor, so I hear the C word, dude. Yeah. It takes me in a whole different place. Well, I lost my fucking stepmom of 30 years, like, a year earlier, and it took her eight months. And so, same thing, too. I'm like, as soon as, as, soon as he told me that, well, the doctor, the first doctor, they said, they go, we think you have stomach cancer. We're going to send you to specialist in San, in San Diego. And I, at that time, my heart just broke. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm fucking dead. I'm dead. And so, uh, my goodness, so you start going through all kinds of emotions. Well, it was a good run. Well, can I still be do more? Like, fucking, what am I going to do? Do I want to go to Mexico and just be a fucking junkie for fucking the next five months and just die down there? Like, you know, all, everything went through my head. And, and was there history? Was there history in your, in your family with... Uh, because you said stepmom. I mean, where, where would this no, no, come no. from? No, no. So who, I mean, I mean, who knows? You don't God, know. God I mean, knows, I, you don't know. If anyone deserves cancer. No, <laughs> don't say that. No, but you know what I'm but saying? But based like, on lifestyle, you're yeah, saying that. Lifestyle. But yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know. I don't know. I so, don't know, dude. You know, same, same. And I've, and I, like, you know, I've been <coughs> known to be a dick now and again, but also I'm a, I'm a real fucking No I'm one a has that. Yeah, I'm a loving guy. But I get what you're saying because I'll tell you, when I went through... I lost my job, I and I don't want to take it off of you, dude, no, I but I get what you're saying because I lost my job, I lost my house, I lost my savings, my wife got cancer. It was like this one, two, three, four, five too. punch yeah, yeah. where I questioned whether or not... You wanted to stick around anymore. Well, not so much. I knew I had to because of my kids, yeah. but you said something that that's why I'm interrupting that caught my yeah. attention where... I didn't know if it was my fucking karma or not. Like, is Same. this my karma yeah, getting back at me right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, dude, I've talked to a lot of people. It's not, man. I just want to tell you, dude, yeah. it's not. For what it's worth, dude, it's not the way it works. So I did all kinds of crazy shit. I, I know I believe that, but to me... It's again, hard to believe, man, but... Yeah, to me, because I did start weighing all the good things, all the bad things I've done. not talking about decisions you've made and what you've put in your body as yeah, much yeah. as you just said good person bad person that's yeah, yeah. not how it works yeah, no yeah. one said i'm going to give you cancer because you were shitty to that dude no, backstage no, sure. once you know what i mean <laughs> where i've questioned you know because dude i get it though i get what so talk to me though so is everything so, all right i'm kind of tripped everything's, out. everything's cool now because well so far what stage was it uh it was uh, allegedly they'd gotten it all so i'm not sure okay so, so I went and saw a special in San Diego. They carved it out. Went and uh, let that sit for like six or like three months. Go and see this uh, the, another specialist. They tell me I'm cool, everything's fine, and then I have to wait till another uh, until June of this year actually to go see if if, if nothing's spread or anything like that. Right. So as of right now, I'm totally cool. Everything's great. Good man. Yeah, yeah. You're in my thoughts, dude. Jeez, man. Seriously, no shit in the I, I was doing some weird shit, man. I had to have, like. Like fucking religious healers, like trying to burn it out of me and shit. Oh like, yeah, I was trying buddy. Everything like out under the sun. Rick like, Simpson oil. Just fucking everything. Anything man. and everything, man. Yeah, I had a lot of people. Like I, again, I didn't tell a lot of people, but I told close people and people that I could that trust could help me and trust and help, and help me navigate. Again, I didn't it. want fucking be bleeding all over the fucking interweb, especially with social media and shit like that. I wasn't. Well, that's why I was that. trying same to protect th- you, dude. Yeah, that's yeah, same I was like, thing it's with the fucking well, interviews are different thing, but like with like Mike posting all that shit in rehab like I went to rehab no one even knew you know what I'm saying like yeah I didn't know and I don't don't think that needs to be known until you're ready to talk about it because when you're in the middle of the shit dude in my opinion you shouldn't be talking to anybody I just think posting your fucking your juice on 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 Social. social media so the world can see is like pretty tacky yeah it's um I read people's shit and they said oh like 
It's uh, a whole different animal, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't go down because, again, I'm so OCD. I got to be real fucking careful, dude. Because yeah. if I go down the wrong holes, it just takes me to too negative a place. So I have to be real careful about what I put out there, man. Yeah. Because the interweb, I don't trust it at all, dude. I don't I trust just, like, it. I just don't. It's just really. It's making me not like the human race even well, more. Well, that's my thing. <laughs> that's like, why I don't like, trust it. Yeah. And so, then I only get back from it what I put into it yeah, yeah. so I always try to put something that's cool and hopefully positive you yeah, know yeah. I do want to switch gears man and talk about some hopeful shit and stuff that's yeah, positive let's, let's, let's talk about what you got going on man like what is your story like I know you're still working with tons of artists I know that you were with Suburban Noise for a minute you broke that relationship you released an acoustic album the yeah, music yeah. industry's changed so dramatically yeah, yeah. where you can do stuff DIY better more than ever yeah. Where are things at for you musically? Well, we, 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 you know, we separated away from suburban noise. Just wasn't the right fit or look for us, for me in particular. And uh, went with El Jefe from No Effects' label and put out the acoustic record. It's a one-off deal. We're making a new record now, but we we fired our manager, our agent, uh, our 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 business manager. We cleaned the whole team. I got clean right before I got clean. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go clean myself up. And we're gonna fire everybody and clean the whole camp out, and then we're gonna come back and make a record where we own it and we have it ourselves. Smart. Then we can go shop it to whoever we want to make the it. deals that we want to make, and it's all in our hands and our control. Yep. And so we're doing just that. Like the whole thing was kind of premeditated. Like I know my cave. This window's open. This thing's happened. Then I'll get sober. That happens, and we'll release all these people. That happens, and this and everything's kind of falling in order. It's weird how life like, works that way, man. Yeah. Because, yeah, you put the positive and you put the right things in motion. Yeah. Everything falls into place organically, And man. so we're stoked. So in, in doing so, it's our, it's funny because when we did this, then we got the Pennywise tour. Then, you know, we, had, we did our own headlining tour in Australia. But then, you know, we had, like, this festival here, this festival here. And we, like, if things are people from the Pennywise tour, like, you know, because I'd burned so many bridges across the whole planet. It was nice because <laughs> just, it was, it's funny it to was, hear you it's, say it's that. Nice I'm sorry. because like people are like, oh, like, wow, you're so like. Well, the, first of all, they come to the band going, what's, what you guys are fucking dope. What's going on? Like, oh, Russo's sober. Like, no, he's not. Like, yeah, man, he's sober. And so it started changing, hit, turning heads, and people were just like, you know, they, I'm present now. So I think we're always a pretty good band, but now I'm present one while we're pushing our energy, and so, and so. In doing so, we made a lot of friends on that tour, and like the promoters and people, and a lot of people that we burned in radio stations and all kinds of things. You know, we were like, "Yeah, can we do an interview. We want to be there." Like, we put it in. Again, same thing. We go. We had a week off. Then we went to Australia. It's funny because our, our Australian tour manager was like, he made a joke. Then tours like, "Unwritten law, making friends since 2016." <laughs> making friends since 2016. <laughs> but yeah, but it was funny because he was our tour. He was my tour manager uh, when I was doing the. The, the Soundwave Festival tour down in Australia like fucking four, four years ago and I didn't even recognize him. I'm like, have I worked for you before? He's like, man. Dude. <laughs> How long have you worked with them? It's like, well, I'd done, a whole, tour, I'd done, done a whole tour with them. And you didn't, Jesus. You didn't recognize him, man. Yeah. <laughs> but see, when you say that, don't you think people give you a little bit of a pass now that you do have oh, this sure. clarity? Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's just I, like, I don't think there, there's any other way to do it. Like, you can't it, it, I guess in then my it's defense, on them, like, right? Goes, it will go again. I'm gonna walk in a different path now with Buddhism and, and you know compassion and 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 you know uh, you know forgiveness and all these things. So I'm on a different path. So I can do it for myself. But when I look at other addicts and other fuck ups like that, I'm like, 
you know, uh, for instance, like maybe it's my girlfriend or something, like she goes, so I'm like her, you know, if her parents were mad at her about something, I'm like, yo, man, like, if they can't come to, if they don't understand that you were really just a shell of a human being then, and you're present now, and they yeah. don't get that, then that's their loss. And I think that goes with, I feel that way for any addicts or any, anyone really in the struggles, like, they're not really there, man. Like, what they do if they fucking fuck you over, Rob, like, when they come to, they're not going to feel good about that. Like, yeah. I don't feel good about it. And it feels a behavior in a lot of cases. Because yeah, you know absolutely. what you're doing, you know, there is... You kind of know what you're doing, but... In you know what I'm I mean, looking, when, I'm looking, when I'm looking back... It's that going, guilt and I that wouldn't f- make that those decisions. So no. None of them, like, none no. of them. No, no. Like, you know, really, like, 99% of those decisions I would have made sober. And I wish I would have, because it would have been a different game. We would be at my house doing this interview right now, you know what I'm saying? But right now we're at Danny's house. But yeah. that's the kind of thing, it's like... I believe everyone gets a second, third, fourth chance. As I agree. Long as, as long as they're, they're, they're fucking real and passionate, and they're, they have genuine love and in, in their heart, you know. Like, if you're just a dick. You're just a dick. But if I you're, agree. if you're a good person that was a dick when you're fucked up, give that full chance. And every day, man, you have a chance to reinvent yourself. That's how I look yeah. at it. Every day is a fucking do-over, man. If you spend, <laughs> if you spend too much time. I mean, the past, is it real? I mean, that's what I, if, if you're that. I mean, it's real, but I think everything can be forgotten and forgiven, you know, in time. Do you, spend a, do you spend a lot of time looking at the future, or are you just working so solely on the present? You know, when you do, do you look down the line and where you want to be in three I kinda, years? I kind of throw goals out, but I'm, I, I definitely live in the present, for yeah. sure. I, I know where I want to be and how I want to achieve those things, so I put the goals out and kind of live my day in the right direction facing those things gotcha yeah. so that being said what are you reaching towards in the future so right now I'm just we're doing this unwritten law record um, I'm gonna do a solo record uh, me and Danny Way have a project uh, that's done actually we just need to have it mix it and put it out yeah he's been doing music for a while yeah yeah and uh, and um, I kind of ghostwrite and produce for like a lot of artists uh, my daughter's cracking right now. Yeah, man. Tell me about Kaylin. What is she doing? Kaylin had a thing recently at the Casbah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, she's uh, she uh, she quit modeling about two years ago. She wanted to get in the family business. Terrible, <laughs> terrible decision. Uh, she was actually making money, and uh, you know what? And she wanted to get into it. She started like when she's like 17. She's like, Daddy, I want to sing. I'm like, cool. I'll produce a couple tracks for you. And she came to me and and uh, we did like a song. I remember her, when she got on the mic, I was like, well, first she sat me down and she's like, Daddy, you're not gonna like these lyrics. They're kind of gnarly or whatever. I'm like, babe, I'm, it's all art. I made seven records about partying during a trip. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I got, up, got on the mic when I put on the headphones and I heard her voice hit. I'm like, wow, there's, it's, it's different. I'm not like a biased father. It's right. Like, it's great, it's my daughter. I was like, cause I'm actually quite the opposite. I'm like a, I'm a horrible music Nazi. If it's just horrible, I'm just, you're terrible. Don't do it. Yeah. And so, and so uh, I heard him like, fuck, that's dope. And then her voice is, was diamond, and then the lyrics were fire. I remember for me, it took me three records cycles to <laughs> fucking learn how to write good lyrics. <laughs> and it was just fire out the gate. And so we did that, we did a couple more songs. She, you know, I can't really tell you where she's at right now, but she's in a good place with good management, good, good label, and people are. Wow. And so she played. So she hasn't released a record or no, She released like one that. song. It's like, got up, it's like number one on Hype Machine. It's fucking big. It's like Dang. number 36 in England. So what did she it's build? It's September Rose. Check it out. It's Caitlin, Ro- Caitlin Russo. Caitlin Russo. Caitlin Russo. Caitlin Russo. But she was playing under an alias Felix when she's doing a couple warm shows. These people have strengths. They put her at a show in the House of Blues in Anaheim. They put her at a show in gotcha. Observatory in North Park. They put her at the Casbah in San Diego. 
cool, man. In Good. So the, the San Diego's the end of five shows. I'm like, I'm gonna post it. Yeah, Kevin was playing. The show. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, totally. Okay, so she's playing under an alias, but Dad's bragging. Dad's bragging on the Got San Diego it. show. Got Just it. Just the one show. Because I Got wanted it. my family and friends to come. Hey, it caught my attention. Go I'm ahead. all in, and I support, man, by well, default. check out September Rose, and you'll, you'll September hear... September Rose. September Rose is Kaylin's Kaylin first, first song. She's, and they're releasing a song at a time, organically, just to get the get the word out that she's there. Cool, man. And then they'll release a record, yeah. But it's like, fire. I'm always here for you if you ever need help pushing anything, man. Absolutely. Always see us. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, whether it's the radio show, the podcast, whatever, man. I'm always a fan, dude, and, and wish you the best, man. Thank I got you so much, Nothing man. but love, dude. Yes, sir. All right, thanks for your honesty. Yes, bud. All right, so uh, there we go. That's our, that's Cantori and you, with Scott Russo. Thanks again to our sponsors. And uh, man, I'll tell you. All right, there you have it. That's Cantori and you with uh, Scott Russo, who, um, man, as I said when I introduced the piece, Scott, uh, Scott's been in my thoughts ever since the interview. And I think it's a good idea we all put Scott in our thoughts while he powers through and uh, he's on this journey well, dealing with what he's dealing with, that I didn't realize what he was dealing with or the extent of it, and that's uh, stomach cancer. And I think it's really important that we put Scott in our thoughts because this is a journey I know from experience. It's not like, oh, they cut it out and it's game over. This is something he'll be dealing with and, and will be on his radar for the rest of his life. And uh, Scott, you'll always be in my thoughts and uh, sending out positive juju not only to you but the unwritten law camp and uh yeah that's heavy shit man thank you to our sponsors south coast surf shops tory holistics and uh yeah till next time